When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in, everybody, to the Friday edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. This is Buck. I'm going to be solo today. My main man, Clay, out on a vacation day. We'll have a lot to talk about here. The future of the GOP, obviously, in the aftermath of the midterm election. House investigations looming. The immigration, illegal immigration disaster from our wide open border continues. We shall discuss some troubling indicators in the economy, inflation. The cult of Nancy Pelosi, will it actually become creepier and weirder than the cult of Ruth Bader Ginsburg was? If if you recall, and I'm sure some of you do, because uh, Nancy Pelosi, as we know, is no longer going to be Speaker of the House. She's not even going to run for leadership, and she's basically 80 years old, so I don't think she's likely to be Speaker again. I don't think she's going to run for leadership again. And you'll remember that there was a time when Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was a, uh, at that time, may she rest in peace, she was a a tiny and, and frail old lady, and there were people who were doing videos of her amazing workout routine, and there were little Ruth Bader Ginsburg dolls being sold, and people talking about how she could do, you know, a thousand chin-ups with one arm or whatever. No, but there was a cult built around her because it was about the power of the Democrat Party. And there will be a cult built around Nancy Pelosi as well. In fact, what's funny is here you have MSNBC's Mika of uh, Mika and Joe infamy saying that unless you are in a cult you better unless you're in a cult you recognize that nancy pelosi is worthy of a cult because she is so amazing play clip two it's the end of an era and an incredible one and um i mean whether you're a republican or a democrat it's sort of hard not to be in awe of what she has accomplished unless you're in a cult unless you're in a cult 
So you better join the cult of Pelosi or else you're in the non-Pelosi cult or something like that. It makes absolutely no sense. But Nancy Pelosi, if we're looking at her legacy and leadership, dragged the Democrat Party to the hard left. We all know this. It's obvious. Nancy Pelosi was somebody who was an extremist just on the issue of abortion, for example. Any reason, all nine months, taxpayer funding for it, every, all of the above, everything. And would describe herself as extremely Catholic. So, yes, Nancy Pelosi was in so many ways a, a huge fraud, but she did wield power ruthlessly as essentially the quintessential San Francisco liberal, right? Lives in a super fancy multi-multi-million dollar mansion worth tens of millions of dollars. The good news, though, is that Nancy Pelosi, no longer in leadership, will focus her time on, I'm sure, a number of things, but the pursuit of using non-public information to make as much money in the stock market as possible. Because she's been they've been great at that, if you look at Nancy Pelosi's returns. And members of Congress have access to non-public information. Somehow, Pelosi, if you were mirroring the Pelosi family trades, you've done very well in the stock market. It's fascinating how that happens. She's like a genius. She's like Warren Buffett with longer hair. But this is what we're told. Anyway, the, the, big, uh, the big thing for me last night, though, and we'll talk more about Pelosi a little bit later. And also, if you, have any, if you have any thoughts about the Pelosi era or anything else going on right now, the phone lines are open, 800 282 882. Uh, the the meltdown at Twitter is utterly fascinating. And I I understand that of the people listening to this on radio or pod or later on in the day in podcast, uh, there's a very small percentage overall of you that are are active on Twitter. But Twitter is really the single most for people in the media, for people that make a living in content and trying to spread information, ideas, it is the most interactive and it's really the only place where the two sides of the ideological battlefield meet in any meaningful way it doesn't really happen on cable news anymore i remember growing up watching cable news the shows like crossfire and you know on fox they'd have great debates you know i remember like uh, you know there are so many you know christopher hitchens going on hannity show and and people all these different names in the past big debates on tv never happens anymore this just doesn't happen anymore. And so one of the only places where there, there's actual engagement in the battlefield of ideas is on Twitter. Now, the left, as you know, has had a massive hand on not even a thumb, like an entire fist pressing down on the scale for their side. And this manifested itself most clearly right before the 2020 election with the infamous but very, very intentional suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story with the 50 intelligence professionals. Oh, yeah, we're real serious intelligence professionals. You know, decades and decades of super secret squirrel stuff. We're telling you that's Russian disinformation. And people all across the country who are honest and capable of independent thought immediately thought to themselves, Okay, well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's just some, you know, Oleg and Yuri FSB guys in a basement somewhere outside of Moscow. Well, let's take the photos of Hunter and we'll doctor them. So he's almost in the tighty whiteys all the time. 
with the handgun sometimes, lots of uh, drugs, cocaine, all the... No, that's that's not actually what happened, as we all know. As, as, as good as anybody may think the Russian domestic intelligence service may be at its mischief, the uh, FSB, the Federal Naya Shlozhba Bezopaznasti, for those of you who want to know what the acronym actually is, stands for, uh, it was not. A, it was not, in fact, it was not Russian disinformation, as we know, and that itself may very well have made the difference in the election. I think everyone is waking up now more than ever to the reality of what the American political electorate looks like, which is you've got, you know, a, a mass on one side of the ideological uh, divide, a mass on the other, left and right, lib, conservative, Democrat, Republican, and then this. Tiny, tiny sliver of people who can be persuaded one way or the other, who may or may not vote. And we are fighting over over one percent of voters, basically. All this stuff that you hear going on. I mean, and, and so that's I think why there's so much of an echo chamber effect, because especially on the left, they figure if we can just get our message out, blast it out the most, we will eventually win just through the sheer force of words and repetition. So here we are now looking at Twitter, a place where they've had unfair dominance, not through their actual idea. And there are more libs on Twitter than there are on, uh, than there are conservatives. That's all. That's also true. That's accurate. But they've had active measures taken on their side to make sure that they are more dominant and understand that, there are the news cycle is often driven. So if you're a, a whether a local newspaper subscriber, you know, like my dad still kicks it old school. He likes newspapers, right? He'll uh, fold them out. He can do all that stuff. You give me a newspaper. I get tangled up in it. You know, I look like I'm trying to sleep in it. I, I, I can't handle actual newspaper. I'm I'm digital native. Uh, so I've been doing you know the website since I was a teenager. Now, that's where I get my news. And here we are looking at how Twitter filters into all these different platforms, whether you're reading at old school news, website, cable news, it often comes from that platform. That's one of the first places where breaking news happens. That's one of the first places where ideas start percolating, where the narrative starts getting formed. So it is, in that sense, enormously important. It has been called the assignment editor for the New York Times by many in the past. Twitter, think about that. Biggest, most storied newspaper in America. Obviously also a left-wing rag, but the New York Times, the great lady, gets its ideas, gets its narrative for the day from this website started by a bunch of, you know, Silicon Valley guys. That's that's what's been going on now for about the last decade. And so now it is in Elon's hands, and it is epic. It is amazing to watch what is going on here. Mass resignations yesterday. You have people who are exposing so much of what they think and what they really are, both inside and outside the company. For one thing, th- this is you have to start with this. You have journos who overwhelmingly have humanities degrees and you know communications, God forbid, but it's true journalism itself gender studies, things like this, who are smugly lecturing Elon Musk 
who was worth $200 billion, roughly, give or take. I guess maybe 150 now because he bought Twitter, but whatever. The richest man in the world who sends rockets into space more efficiently than NASA, who has revolutionized the global electric vehicle market so that electric cars aren't just glorified go-karts. They're actually cool. I've been in Teslas. i got to say, I like them. And it's not because I'm saving the planet from CO2. I just like them. They're really cool. They're good cars. Now, there's a lot that needs to be done with the infrastructure to make sure you got the charging stations and all that. But you have people who have never seen a balance sheet who would basically describe themselves over a couple of bottles of Zima as socialists talking about how Elon Musk doesn't know how to run Twitter. Elon's destroying Twitter. Look what he's doing. It's all going down. Uh, no. No, in fact, what you see... Oh, actually, here's a perfect example. A CNN media reporter is just saying Elon is gutting Twitter. He's ruining it. He's destroying it. Play cut 15, sir. What the hell is going on here? Did he buy a company that he yeah. could not afford or that he does not understand or that he really didn't want? I mean, that's the million or, or $44 billion question. I'm not sure I can get an Elon Musk's head. The question is, is there a strategy in all of this? I think if you talk to people who are close with Elon, they would say that there is... A strategy, of course, he wants to improve the platform. He wants to uh, disrupt it and, and, and create a subscription service, for instance. It's just that he's moving so fast. He is just breaking everything in the process. I mean, there's something to be said about people who take risks and move fast and break things. But in this case, he is just, you know, destroying the platform seemingly yeah. from the inside. Yes, let's let's take entrepreneurship advice from a bunch of TV news anchors who truly could not run a child's lemonade stand on a Saturday afternoon on a sunny day. Let, let's let take advice from them. Let's hear what they have to say about this social media platform that has 300 million active users, give or take, and that has been the single, really, in recent years. Certain, and by the way, it's because of Trump. People always forget this. Twitter became the center of the of the news formation universe under Trump, because he'd wake up in the morning and he would tweet out five things, ten things, whatever it was, and then that would set the news cycle for the day. You couldn't be in the media and covering the news and not have some idea of what was going on Twitter because of what Trump did. So Trump, ironically, pushed this platform into, into the stratosphere in terms of relevance but what we found out was that then they had to shut it down and use it against or sh shut him down and use the platform in every way they could for partisan advantage. So what you have now are a bunch of crybabies who, when they get emails from Elon saying you have to be hardcore in your work ethic, they go, oh, my gosh, like, where's my work life balance? Like, I am used to coming in every day at 11 a.m. with my pet therapist meeting me because I'm obviously bringing in my favorite Shih Tzu along with me and we're talking about like oh my gosh like what are we going to do today they're all whining and crying and the whole thing you know you don't need people like that to run a company you actually don't but they infiltrated the HR department and then they took over the diversity and inclusion department and then they took over the corporate suite and, and now it's all about you know how everybody has to get they're, uh, you know, vegan sushi rolls made for them for their three-hour lunches every day. I mean, you can see there are these videos about this. There, there are actual videos where people show what their day is like at Twitter. Uh, so many of you. See, here's the thing. I, I worked in the federal government, right? I worked in the CIA, which is a massive entity. 
And there are much bigger ones, obviously. If you work the Department of Defense, you know, you've worked in a place that's orders of magnitude larger. But you work in a huge bureaucracy. What does everybody know in a huge bureaucracy? Everybody who's there who's honest will say 10% of the people do 90% of the essential work and 30 or 40% of the people do all the actual work. And then everybody else is just kind of there. This is just true of bureaucracy. Elon is applying that basic logic and understanding, which he knows from running companies and doing amazing things, and the libs are in panic about it. Absolute panic about it. Oh, he's going to destroy the whole company. It's been a couple of weeks. Chill out, libs. How about that? But see, they can't because they know that once the battlefield of ideas online opens up in a meaningful way, once the accounts get restored, you know, if President Trump wants to come back, Ron DeSantis maybe gets really active on Twitter, you name it. I mean, there are lots of people that have been kicked off, and Ron obviously hasn't been kicked off of Twitter, but there are lots of big names out there who could get really active. So it is a fascinating case study in how they need control because their propaganda is not persuasive without information dominance, information space and dissemination dominance. And, you know, I'm telling you about all these libs who are just so upset because a lot of them, a lot of them have some kind of a hormonal imbalance. A lot of the guys who work at Twitter need a little bit more testosterone. I want to help them out. I'm a humanitarian. I'm a do-gooder. So I'm going to have to find a way to get a lot of these, I quit, I can't work hard, Twitter engineers, some chalk. Chalk helps out with testosterone, which is essential to optimal functioning. And, you know, testosterone levels, not just at Twitter, have been dropping a lot in recent decades. And so if that's true across the country, by the way, because of our diet, environment, everything, more testosterone means more focus, more energy, more drive to get through your day. That's why chalk has natural, all natural supplements that have a leading ingredient that can increase testosterone 20% in the first 90 days. The male vitality stack from chalk, that's for that's what you want. You can get 35% off right now when you go to Chalk. That's C-H-O-Q.com. 35% off any Chalk subscription. Just use promo code BUCK in the purchase process at C-H-O-Q. That's Chalk.com. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833 833- 995-G-O-L-D. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. 
This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it would have been, Ooh, a, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Michael Rappaport, and my wife, Kibi Rappaport, starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Earlier this month, he gave a choice, work, quote unquote, hardcore, or leave the company with three months of severance. It seems like a large amount of people have decided to leave the company. They don't want to work hardcore, and that's thrown the future of this platform into utter chaos. I've been talking to people all day. One former executive who recently exited told me that with all these departures, it's going to be hard just to keep the lights on over there. And so now with all these departures, the people who are remaining, the management has suspended badge access into Twitter's offices, presumably because they're afraid that employees who are technically no longer employed at Twitter could potentially sabotage things. Oh my gosh, Twitter may all shut down. They're sick. You know, Libs, they really just need like a need like, you know, a, a cup of warm chamomile and a Xanax or something. Calm down, Libs. It's all going to be fine. Yeah, the richest guy in the world, literally the richest man on planet Earth. I think he's going to find a way to keep the lights on without all of the, you know, emotional health gurus over at Twitter pretending to be some kind of necessary cog in that machine. My friends, if you invested in cryptocurrency, it's been rough. It's been a pretty risky investment these days. For all the turbulence we see in the stock market, few markets pose greater risk than the crypto one. Look at FTX. By contrast, one of the safer forms of investment, not just in recent years, but over centuries, has been precious metals, specifically gold. I continue to rely on the Oxford Gold Group for my gold purchases. I've been working with Oxford Gold Group for six years now. Gold has been proven to be an excellent hedge against inflation and this uncertain marketplace that we're all living in. Oxford Gold Group will give you expert advice, and they have a best-in-class guarantee for pricing as well. Gold is the way to make sure your investments are on solid footing. The Oxford Gold Group can help you get there. Call them yourself to diversify your portfolio. Call the Oxford Gold Group today to request your free precious metals investment guide. Toll free, 833-404-GOLD. 
833-404-GOLD. Welcome back to Clay and Buck. This is Buck today, rocking it solo. Clay taking a day off. And I think this is a sign of the times here uh, that there's so much in the way of retail theft going on that is now being counted by an individual chain in the hundreds of millions of dollars of losses. People are stealing all the time from stores all across the country. And this is a major major economic impacts of this psychological impacts to the, to the community, to people who live in these areas, which is pretty much any major city right now. And it doesn't have to be this way, but I want to break all this down in a moment. Target is the store that's uh, getting the attention for this right now. They're saying that organized retail crime is responsible for $400 million in down profits this year. That is the primary culprit they find in this. $400 million in profits because of organized gangs of shoplifters. And I've got to tell you, it's something that is uh, it needs to be addressed because there are so many second order effects to this. There's this is in in every Democrat controlled city right now. This is a problem. Look in every city right now. This is a problem to varying degrees. But I can tell you, they even cite in this New York Post piece on this the Rite Aid at Fifth Avenue and Eighth uh, Avenue rather and Fiftieth Street in Hell's Kitchen. Do you know? Do you know whose Rite Aid that is? Mine. They're actually citing the the, the drugstore that is right next to where I live, that I go into on a regular basis. I, I want you to think of a number in your head right now. The store closed, by the way. Yeah, it's not my right aid anymore. It closed. Why? Because they were stealing it into submission, stealing from it so that it, it was not worth it to keep it open. This is what we're, we're not talking about someone taking a you know, a straight candy bar because they get a thrill from it or something. These are people who go into stores with often a a, a backpack, a satchel, a, a trash bag, and they just sweep in. They, they go to certain, they go to areas. You know, this is all the stuff that you see under lock and key, which are easy to resell and have a relatively high you know, resell value, meaning, you know, if you've got, a little package of those razor cartridges, for example. In New York City, it'll cost you like 30, 40 bucks. Well, you steal 10 of those, $400, right? So they're not, they're not taking gallons of milk. That's just too cumbersome. And people don't really want to buy gallons of milk from a stranger on the street, but they will buy a closed carton of razor cartridges. They will buy different things that are, you know, skincare products, things that are really expensive. So they go in there. This is not people, despite what AOC, had said about this. Remember that? This is not people stealing a loaf of bread because they're hungry. In fact, what anybody who knows what it's like in cities will tell you is that there are, you know, there are more more soup kitchens and homeless shelters and homeless services and 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 ways, you know, church and community organizations. There's more of that in a lot of these cities than there has ever been. And a bigger budget going toward it. I mean, in in New York City, they keep coming up with new ways to find 
four-star hotels in which to place the homeless population at taxpayer expense. In places like California, they're always trying to come up. You know, they just had uh, Caruso just lost to Karen Bass for the mayor of Los Angeles. And Los Angeles is just another one of these places. It should just be the greatest place. I grew up as a kid in New York City watching Beverly Hills 90210 and and movies like Point Break and you know others surfing. And I just thought that California was paradise. And I actually remember thinking as a kid, one day I'll move out to L.A. because that just looks like the, the greatest, most fun version of America to my mind, to my young mind, watching all these movies and stuff. L.A. is amazing. It's being ruined the same way that my neighborhood drugstore in New York shut down from theft. And this is in the middle of Manhattan. This is in, in the, any of you who have been to Rockefeller Center for, you know, the Christmas tree or you've been, this is a couple blocks from there. This is right in the heart of the tourist district, right in the heart of the city, massive police presence. So why was it shut? Why was the store shut down? Because people go in there and steal and nothing happens to them. Nothing happens to them. Now go look at Los Angeles, look at San Francisco, same thing. Karen Bass just won the the uh the race there for mayor over Caruso. Caruso came in. He even got Chris Pratt's backing, you know, Chris Pratt from Guardians of the Galaxy and um and the Jurassic Park movies and Terminal List series, all that stuff. He said, "Look, I'm with Caruso cuz you got to clean this up. It's ridiculous." I mean, I have seen, I don't go to L.A. that often, but I used to spend a fair amount of time out there, especially about five or six years ago. And, you know, I'd go out there for a week at a time. I was there over uh, Labor Day weekend this year. You see things on the streets there that I can't, I'm not even comfortable describing to you what individuals do on the streets there on radio, because I know some of you are with family and got your kids with you. It's appalling. And you have crime all over the place. And people keep, you know, the the, the left-wing Marxist community organizer types. And by the way, Karen Bass, community organizer. Their whole thing is if we just have more funding, if we just have more you know, resources for the, the, the homeless, it'll, we'll, we'll be able to deal with this. No, when people are going into, when, when able-bodied males, by the way, in particular, which is often the case because I've seen it, when they go into a drugstore, when they go into a pharmacy, uh, whatever, and sometimes it's, you know, a Louis Vuitton store. Sometimes it's a place that sells $5,000 handbags. But when they go into even a Rite Aid with a bag and they just full it full of everything they can, they are stealing for profit. They're not stealing to just feed themselves because if they just wanted to feed themselves, there's a lot of other options that aren't illegal. This has such an effect on the psychology of the people in these communities. This is so damaging. You know, it's the same thing when you go into, if you're in a really bad neighborhood. So I, I spent a year and a half at the NYPD intelligence division. And part of this was we did some, we did some surveillance in some of our cases. And I would go into the neighborhoods in New York that very few New Yorkers that I grew up with in Manhattan and the Western part of Brooklyn would ever, ever spend any time on their feet walking around in. And I would go to these neighborhoods and I would see some of the the local stores there. And it looked like 
the the local store, depending, especially if it was a, a liquor store, but even some of the convenience stores were locked down like you were in a prison because they had you know the gate down and they have maybe bulletproof glass or they have these things exist in different places that is so damaging for people in a community to see it is a reminder all the time you are not safe here and people don't feel safe working here and the business owner as soon as he can afford a more expensive lease is going to leave now that's in that was in the most the the by the numbers most dangerous neighborhoods in new york city but even in Midtown Manhattan, where I've spent a ton of time, I, you know, I'm, I'm a guy who grew up in, in Manhattan and have lived in Midtown. Even there, that they had to shut down this store, I would walk in and I would see. And I know the store they talk about this New York Post article very well. And I've been in Targets. I've, you know, I, I see the kind of stuff that goes on there too. Uh, people steal, and they know they won't be punished. That makes people who are around them who see this who see everything under lock and key, who see the sense of siege that these store clerks are under, because a lot of times they'll go, people go in there, they'll steal, and maybe they won't try to confront them physically, but there'll be some verbal exchange that often will just devolve into four-letter word shouts at each other. And they see all this and they say, "Why do I, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to operate a business here anymore. There have to be consequences for this. And I'm also going to say this. People, it's it's bad. This is something that people don't often think about. It's bad for the psychology. It's bad for the emotional health, if you want. I really mean this of the person doing the stealing. You're now a thief, and when you make a habit of this, you're a criminal. You're a person who is a criminal, and you're profiting from this. This creates a momentum that goes often beyond just I'm filling a bag full of razors from the Rite Aid. It gets worse from there. And this is why in New York, eventually when someone's arrested for a carjacking that, you know, they, they shoot someone in or they they anything like you find out. Oh, yeah, they've been arrested, you know, 20 times before this. We're not doing people any favors by letting them think that crime pays and they can get away with it. This is a national plague. This needs to stop. Everybody needs to get on the same page with stop people from stealing there must be consequences hundreds of millions of dollars for target millions and millions of dollars for other businesses and stores you can't even calculate this it destroys neighborhoods it brings with it more crime and this is because democrats live in this fantasy land where you know this is not les miserables and people are on the streets just wanting a slice of bread or they're going to die of of you know tb or whatever that's not what's happening so it's so frustrating because I've seen this and I see the reality of it. And it is just it has become fashionable for libs, fashionable for Democrats to ignore this stuff. It is destroying neighborhoods. It is destroying businesses. All right, let's switch gears to stamps.com because they can help out your business so much, make it so much smoother to operate with all the boxes and cards and gifts you're going to start sending off. It's not too late to get your holiday mailing and shipping under control with stamps.com. Sign up now. You'll be printing your own postage in minutes. This can be a stress-free solution. Stamps.com for every business. Use Stamps.com to print postage wherever you do business. All you need is a computer and a printer. No visits to the post office. When you need a package pickup, you can easily schedule through your Stamps.com dashboard and then see the UPS or USPS team members show up. Rates are constantly changing. And with Stamps.com switch and save feature, 
You can easily compare carriers and rates so you know if you're getting the best deal. This holiday season, trade late nights for silent nights and get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code Clay and Buck for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code Clay and Buck. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Michael Rappaport, and my wife, Kibi Rappaport, starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Clay and Buck. Next hour, we'll be talking about the border a bit. Plus, the American Bar Association is considering today whether to allow law schools to drop the LSAT, the LSAT requirement. Why does this matter? I will explain it. It's 
very interesting in, a, in, a, in just a few minutes. First up, we got Martin in New York. Mr. Martin, how are you, sir? Hey, how are you? Um, I was there a couple months back in the Brewster Home Depot, and I ended up speaking to a couple of the managers and sales associates there. They have a $1 million loss prevention per year in loss and theft. They're not allowed to chase anyone. They have to let everyone walk out. They steal thermostats of $1,000 at a clip. They put them into bags and walk right out. Yeah. No, I, I, I know Brewster pretty well, actually. My grandparents used to have a house up in the Hudson Valley. I'd go visit them in the summer, so I've been through that town many times. And, and this is, thanks for calling in, Martin. I'm sure all of you have similar stories at stores that, you know, if you talk to the clerks at these places, think about it. Think about the, the incentives here. I mean, there, there's really something. This is the, deg- the self-degradation of a society at work when people are incentivized to steal. You can make much more walking into a Home Depot, let's say, with a bag and filling it full of stolen goods than you will in a week of actually working at that store and adding to your community and providing a service and being a law-abiding, decent person. And so what do we do about this? Well, we're told, oh, but we don't want people to have, you know, a, a bad record. You know, we don't want people. Isn't it fascinating? Our society now thinks that people should be fired from their jobs in the, you know, in their 30s if they had a a homophobic or a racist tweet when they were 14, but we're worried about ruining people's lives who are repeat criminal offenders by actually letting them have a criminal record that stretches back for years, but we just don't want people to know. We don't want anyone to be able to find out, oh, look at the, look at the criminality that's in this person's background. Maybe I, I don't really think that they'd be a, a great a great hiring option for me right now or whatever the case may be always trying to make sure that criminality is punished as lightly as possible this is what the left believes and they've gotten their way i mean i, I remember growing up and and thinking about how and seeing and different shows you know people people would be arrested for theft think about the case at at uh, oberlin college with uh, Gibson's Gibson's Bakery, a couple of Oberlin students tried to steal. They just figured, we'll walk in, we'll just steal bottles of wine, and they won't do anything. Well, that store, it's family-owned business, they had a problem with that. So they locked the door, and they said, we're calling the police. And then the college students got physical with them. And you know what the college did? Instead of being horrified that they would have students at a, I'm guessing, $55,000 a year, private uh, university or uh, university stealing from a local business that actually provided catering services to the university instead of being horrified at that because one of the students involved was a minority they immediately this university immediately declared that this small business was racist racist how dare you stop people from stealing from you and one of them happens to be a minority therefore you are racist now, Gibson's, I think, got a $30 million check, completely justified in that, I might add, in, uh, from, from Oberlin University. But you see, this just keeps playing out. You know, who, where are the basics here? Where's right and wrong? Where's the most straightforward reality with all of this? Randy in Madison, Wisconsin, wants to weigh in. Hey, Randy, how you doing? 
calling from the People's Republic of Dane County here. Um, real quick, back in 2020, I, I find it ironic that the uh, Biden administration is pushing for the student loan forgiveness, but yet the Biden administration put the moratorium in place in 2020, which for landlords, it hurt us big time for the fact that if the tenant did not apply for the PPP money, the landlord was out. The landlord could not apply for that PPP money. Here in the state of Wisconsin, Governor Evers uh, announcing all this money available for PPP for landlords and tenants, and it's not. It was just for the tenants. Same thing with our Dane County executive here. Yeah, no, look, it's they just decided. And they tried to unconstitutionally extend this as well. Uh, thanks for calling. You know, they're trying to extend the COVID em- the emergency still. The emergency powers. We're not in a COVID emergency, but the Biden administration doesn't want to give up the power, which some of us have been warning about all along here. Let's talk more about that. And also the New York Times saying something really fascinating. Um, hey, maybe the vaccines aren't going to stop this next wave, guys. Just putting that out there. Oh, we know it won't. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.